we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 27th, 2009. We're going to continue our last study on DNA and cloning and corrupting the seed. We're going to pick up with this quote from Sharon Gilbert, where she says, I warn of a day when true humans may unknowingly receive transhuman instructions via an implant or an injection. Now, now we get into injectable microchips, because if they can inject you with a microchip, and it has some type of receiver on it, and possibly transmitter where they can track you, well, then they can, they basically own you. A seemingly innocuous vaccine or identification chip can initiate intracellular changes, not only in somatic or body cells, but also in the germline, such as the ova and the sperm. Okay, so this um, chip that may be in the inoculations, and we've talked about that, or vaccinations, we've talked about that, can not only change your body cells, and I'm trying to simplify this a little bit, but it can also change such things as, on a woman, her eggs in the ovaries, or in a man, his sperm. Now, we get into, not only are they defiled to a certain extent, but now they can actually start to affect the seed, really affect the seed of mankind. The former alters the recipient only. The latter alters the recipient's doomed descendants as well. In other words, if you affect the sperm and the, and the ova, then you're affecting all of the, de- the descendants. Once you're corrupted, I mean, once, let's say, DNA comes into play here, and there's, and there's fallen angelic or, or some kind of crazy DNA that you impart, well, then, are you post-human? I guess it ten- it. it you know, it depends to the extent to which you're defiled. But I wouldn't want to take any chances on this. Uh, she goes on to say, In my second novel, The Armageddon Strain, I present a device called a bio-strain chip that employs nanotechnology to induce genetic changes inside the carrier's body. The miracle chip is advertised as a cure for the H5N1 Ebola, this is where they actually take H5N1, which was the bird flu that we heard about, you know, four or five years ago a lot, which I did that 14-city tour about, and then Ebola, combining those two together. I, you talk about a lethal combination. Well, this chip is the cure for the H5N1 Ebola um, virus that is released in the prologue of her book. Of course, if you read the novel, you know that the biostrain chip does fall more than cure. It can also kill. Through a work of fiction, the Armageddon strain raises a chilling question. What limitations lie within the payload of a biochip? Remember, they're only admitting to a small part of the technology that they possess. A lot of this is most likely fallen angelic technology. It's like making deals with the devil. What are the limitations within the payload of these chips? You have to wonder. Can such a tiny device do more than carry digitized information? DNA has become the darling, which stands for deoxyribonucleic acid, has become the darling of researchers who specialize in synthetic constructs. The sticky end design of the DNA double helix makes it ideal for use in computing. 
Through an infinite numbers of polyhedra are possible, the most robust and stable of these building blocks is called the double crossover DX. She goes on to say an intriguing name, is it not? The double cross. It's a D with an X, like the double cross. Picture an injectable chip comprised of a DNA-DX, this is a chip, containing instructions for a super soldier. Picture, too, how this DNA framework, if transcribed into the human, might also serve a second sinister purpose, not only to instruct, but also to alter the human it's injected into. By the mid-1950s, Crick and Watson had solved the structure of the DNA. They're the guys that discovered DNA, Crick and Watson. Um, And the double helix became all the rage. Early gene splicing and thus transgenics began in 1952 as a crude, cut-and-paste sort of science cooked up in kitchen blenders and petri dishes, as much of an accident as much as, as much accident as inspiration. As knowledge has increased, as Daniel 12.4 says, Daniel 12.4, let's just read that real quick, Daniel 12.4, because that's, you know, a, a verse that's very pertinent to what we're talking about here, and I, I've quoted it, but let's just go right to the source today and quote it, get into it, Daniel 12.4. And this is basically, you know, in the last days. Now, um, right the, the verse right before it, verse 3, r- regarding, this is regarding um, the last days, into the great tribulation, um, and it says, And the wise shall, be sh- shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. That should be a goal of ours. Not only to be wise, how does wisdom come? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's also the beginning of understanding and knowledge. And the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. There's many, many blessings connected with the fear of the Lord. And if you don't have fear of the Lord, pray for it. Pray for humility before God. The two go hand in hand. Anyway. This is something we should be striving to do. Turning many to righteousness. Oh, it looks like a pretty cool blessing connected with that. They shall be as the stars forever and ever. Oh, praise the Lord. I don't understand how that all quite works, but um, that is really a neat thing. And then it says in the next verse, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. So many are running to and fro right now, like this transhumanist lady. Oh, I figured it out. The New Agers, all these people in their respective different flavor of the week religions, or Buddhism, Hinduism, oh yes, yes, this and that, and new prophecies, and new this, and new that. Many are running to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased, but unfortunately, most of the knowledge is corrupted knowledge. It's not true knowledge. This is why I tell people, don't follow me, don't follow a man, follow the Word of God. Okay? And one of the main reasons you want to follow the Word of God is where it says, um, a verse that relates to this verse is Amos 8, verse 11. And Amos 8, verse 11 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, 
nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Very few people even use a King James Bible. The ones that use apostate Bibles hardly even read them. So, they're, you know, what is it? What are we hearing a lot of words? Words of man. I mean, just go to a Christian bookstore. Uh, wouldn't the primary thing you think if you were really wanting to, I don't know, uh, help the body of Christ, wouldn't it? Like, if I had one, I would be selling, my emphasis would be on selling uncorrupted King James Bibles. But the King James Bible is like the last Bible they sell usually. And they got all the perverted Bibles, which spawned from the 1881 revised version of Westcott and Horde that was translated from two Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus, which were translated from corrupt Alexandrian Egyptian manuscripts and preserved through the Catholic Church. And now they're saying because they have the, uh, I believe it's the Sinaiticus on, fi- on, on display now, that it's the best because it's the oldest. The only reason it's the oldest is because nobody would even touch it, not even the Catholic Church, because they knew it was so corrupt. So anyway, God says he's going to send a famine in the land, not of bread, nor of thirst of water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. Isn't that how we get saved? Don't we get saved through the word of the Lord? I mean, how could you get saved apart from the word of the Lord? I mean, that's how we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's through the words of the Lord. Well, I believe it's the day and time we're living in. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and north even to the east. You know, it's like that Bible verse, ever seeking and never coming to the knowledge of truth. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to the east, and they shall run to and fro. Isn't that what we just read in Daniel 12, 4? They shall run to and fro? To seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. And it's right in front of them. But they're they're not going to find it. These people truly, deep down, really don't have a desire for truth. This Natasha lady that we're we're quoting from, she doesn't have a desire for truth. She has a a desire for truth if it suits her fancy. If it suits what she likes. If it suits her heart. Well, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17.9 He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28.26 Wow. But the world tells us, trust your heart. Well, the Bible says, he who trusteth his own heart is a fool. The Bible says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25. That's what the Bible says, not me. So, um, this is what happens when you get away from the word of God as you start getting into all this garbage that we're talking about today. But it's a very real and present threat and this is why I'm putting these teachings out on it because who knows how long they may be up be able to be up on the internet who knows when if this thing were to go down with the swine flu and this could happen literally this week they will most likely shut down the internet because it's been one of the main ways their opposition has had to communicate truth now I understand there's a lot of bad stuff up on the internet But the fact remains is it still is one of the chief ways that a lot of truth has been communicated. And and the masses, to a certain extent, some of the masses are waking up. Now, I'm saying to every bit of the truth of the gospel, but sometimes it has to start somewhere. You know, once once they finally, wow, this really is an evil plot to destroy all of humanity. 
Well, then maybe they'll open themselves up to the gospel because the Bible clearly predicts this was going to happen and this is the way it was going to be. This is just fulfillment of scripture. The Bible says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13. It said it was going to be this way. Let's go further. Uh, Let's see. Okay. But, oh, I already read that. Okay, so we read Daniel 12.4. And as the knowledge has increased, genetic scientists learn to utilize microbial vectors and sophisticated methods to insert animal and or plant genes from one species to another. See, this technology that they would incorporate into the vaccinations, remember, they've been working on this a long time. So this isn't something they just thought up last week. They've thought up this for a long time. And I guarantee you they thought it up in such a way where it could maximally defile humanity, both body, soul, and spirit. It's the ultimate Mr. Potato Head game. I like that analogy, Mr. Potato Head. Where interchangeable plastic pieces give rise to an infinite number of combinations. Only in genetic splicing, humanity is the unhappy potato. I don't want to be a potato. I don't know about you. I mean, I like potatoes. They're good. I like the russet ones from Idaho. They're good. With butter. With butter and sour cream. Little chives. Salt and pepper. Yeah, salt and pepper. Make sure it's the good salt, like a good purified sea salt. But anyway, yeah, or in the potatoes organic. Anyway, sorry. I'm getting a little crazy there. But um, actually, that that is probably a pretty good thing there. Uh, Vectors provide the means of transport and integration for this brave new science. Think of these vectors as biological trucks that carry genetic building material and workers into your body cells. Such trucks could be bacterium or a virus or a virus particle, any entity that can carry genetic information or a payload. Um, now, the larger the load capacity, the better. And then they gain entry into the cell as a potential vector. Viruses, for example, can be stripped of certain innate genes that might cause this harm to the cell. Not only does this supposedly render the viral delivery truck harmless, it also clears out space for the cargo. Once inside the cell, the workers then take over. Some of these workers are enzymes that cut human genes at specific sites, while others integrate or load the cargo into appropriate reading frames, like microscopic librarians. Once the payload is stored in the cell's nuclear library stacks, The new genes can be translated, copied, read to produce altered or brand new alien polymers and proteins. So in other words, you're becoming less and less human as this process is taking place. Because something very non-human is going on inside your body. The resulting hybrid cell is no longer purely human. If If a hybridized skin cell hybridized skin cell um, may glow. Actually, it may actually glow. I've seen this before. They've done this. Or perhaps form scales rather than hair. Claws rather than fingernails. I mean, you know, hey, you know, if we start growing scales and claws, I mean, you know, there's no downside to that, right? So if a brain cell, the new genetic instructions could produce an altered neurotransmitter that reduces or even eliminates the body's need for sleep. 
Muscle cells may grow larger and more efficient at using levels of calcium and oxygen. Retina cells may encode for receptors that enable post the post-human being. Now she uses the same word as the that Natasha lady in the first article. The retina cells of the eye may encode for receptors that enable the post-human being to receive infrared or ultraviolet light frequencies. In other words, frequencies that we couldn't normally see. But see, the thing is, is God made us this way for a reason. He knew what limitations we needed to have. Okay, so just because we can't hear certain sound waves and see certain light spectrums doesn't mean it's a bad thing. They just think it's a bad thing because they want to be as gods. They want to determine what's good and bad with their rubber ruler. And most of all, they don't want to answer to a holy God. So they figure out, if I can figure out a way to be a God, I don't have to answer to God. Well, it's the same thing Satan's been trying to pull off for thousands of years. It's not going to work, though. They're all going to lose, and they're all going to be cast in the lake of fire, ultimately. Then the hybrid ears may may now sense a wider range of sounds. Maybe we'll all grow bunny ears. Big, fluffy bunny ears. I think that'd be a good look on me. I don't know about you guys, but I can can picture myself with big, fluffy bunny ears. Anyway, um, taste buds, where, where we could taste a greater range of chemicals. Altered brains might even attune to metaphysics. Oh, I guarantee you they'd have that. They'd have all your chakras all tuned up and ready to go. The altered brains would be attuned to metaphysics and unseen gateways. What is she alluding to there. She's alluding to what occultists refer as to opening the third eye, where they can, if they're adept enough at the uh, in the occult, they can actually see into the spirit world. guy emailed me the other day and said that um, this whole thing with remote viewing, where you can actually, you're, you're in your body, but you can actually go into this trance-like state where you can actually view things that are going on in different parts of the world, it's called remote viewing, our military has donated millions and millions and millions of dollars to researching this. It's, it's, it's totally witchcraft, okay? And it has a lot to do with your third eye, which is associated with the pineal gland. Not that the pineal gland is evil, but the pineal gland is associated with that. And it's different, I believe, remote viewing is different than going actually out of body in what they call astral projection, where you're actually, your soul is being... Pulled out of the body, and you're actually going with your soul to a different locality. I think that's different than remote viewing. It's all evil. It's all straight from the pit of hell. It's all witchcraft. But when she says that these altered brains might even attune to metaphysics and unseen gateways, well, if you can see into the spirit world as an occultist, uh, this is an abomination to God. This isn't something, again, it's, it's, a, it's a sense that, yes, even though that, let's say you can see into the fourth dimension, it's there, but it's not something we were meant to see in this lifetime for one reason or another. And then allowing communications with the supernatural realms. Well, I guarantee you all that would be part of the package. Germline alterations mentioned earlier form a terrifying picture of a generational development and may very well be a reality. Genetic enhancement of sperm-producing cells would change human sperm into tiny infiltrators. And any fertilized obum, a living chimera, the chimera meaning a hybrid of whatever genetic payload it's not human anymore. It's not totally human. It's 
um, partially human. The Bible has that verse in Daniel where it says, they, most likely, these fallen angels, shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave. They're going to want to mingle themselves with the seed of men, just like they did in Genesis 6. And Jesus said it was going to be like it was in Genesis 6. It's just that nobody wants to make that that um, connection. There's very few, let's say, ministers or whoever want to make that connection. I truly believe it's because they're scared. They've never been educated on it. They've never been taught on it. And it's just way, 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 that's way too radical of a notion for them to conceive or believe. Yeah. I'm not condemning everyone that doesn't get into this. Just saying, we want to warn people. We want to give the potential scenarios that could happen. Can I be dogmatic in every single way this is going to play out? No, but I've done tons of teachings giving you some potential scenarios. And one way or another, I think we're seeing that it's going to turn out this way. And the Bible predicts it was. So let's go further. Science routinely conducts experiments with transgenic mice, rats, chickens, pigs, cows, horses, and many other species. It is a naive to believe humans have been left out of this transgenic equation. Well, they're already admitting to cloning. I've done a whole teaching on that. Uh, absolutely, they're combining our DNA with, with these things. You and I are constantly battling mutagenic assaults from external and internal pressures. Externally, our cells are daily bombarded by pollution, waveform radiation, meaning like radio waves, cell phone towers, harp, Gwen, you name it, who knows what else they're doing to us. Uh, and then chemicals that can alter the molecular structure of nucleotides. Internally, our systems work overtime to filter the genetically altered food, the impure water, the pharmaceuticals, our bodies are changing as a result of this. Now, I still believe this is a totally different deal than getting vaccinated with that foreign DNA going straight into the bloodstream. That's a whole other can of worms. So, if so many scientists funded by government entities believe in the promise of genetic alteration and transgenic enhancement, how then can humanity remain human? We cannot. We will not. According to them, perhaps some have not. Spiritually, the enemy has ever sought to corrupt God's plan. Originally, fallen angels lay with human women to corrupt the human seed. She's coming to the same conclusion here. I should point out that not all trucks or vectors delivery deliver their payload immediately. Some operate on a time delay. Cytomegalovirus is a common infective agent resident in the cells of many humans today. It sleeps in our systems, waiting for a window of opportunity to strike. Typically, it will strike when the immune system gets to a low enough level, and then it comes out to play, just like herpes. Recently, genetic specialists began utilizing CMV vectors in transgenic experiments. The CMV meaning cytomegalovirus. In 1997, the Fox television program Millennium featured an episode in a season second season called Sense and Antisense, referring to the two sides of the DNA molecule. In this chilling story, a scientist named Lacuna reveals a genetic truth to Frank Black, where she says, or he says, I'm not sure, they have a map, the map they can make us go down any street they want to, streets that we would never dream of going down. They flip a switch, we go east. They flip another switch, we go north. 
and we never know we've even been flipped, let alone know how. Is it possible that the enemy plans to instantaneously flip um, these switches? Are genetic sleeper agents idling trucks already at work in some of the DNA of humanity, waiting and ready to be deployed at the appropriate moment? I believe there's a lot of evidence for this. You look at Russ Dizdar, and he says there's all kind of these literal satanic super soldiers that are essentially waiting for their orders to activate, to create as much death, killing, mayhem, chaos, evil in the world as they can. And there's a whole army of them. And that the in the interview that I will play, I probably won't get to it today again, but they say they're in, they're looking forward to engaging the Christians on the battlefield. They're challenging us. They're looking forward to engaging us. Because see, I hate to say it, but they're a lot more educated about this type of stuff than we are. And they take their religion a lot more seriously than the average Christian does. And I'm not saying that because I think I'm Mr. Super Christian. I'm just saying that they're very serious about witchcraft, about spells, incantations. They're generationally brought up into this. For them, it's life or death. And uh, they're looking forward to this. They're looking forward to when evil, and they believe 100% that they're going to they're gonna eradicate all the Christians and their, Satan's going to set up his kingdom and they're going to rule and reign with him. That's what the lie they've been told. Are we willing to engage that? Are you looking forward to that? I mean, I personally, I am. I can't, I'll be honest, I am. I don't say that because I think I'm whatever. It's just, to me, it's going to, there's going to come a time where this is all going to be real and we're not going to be talking about it anymore. It's actually going to be the reality of everyday life. Now, I know there's a lot of ministries like, um, Ruskis Dar and, and these that actually go out and actively engage these satanic covens. I think it's great. Praise the Lord. And this is the why I gave that testimony on the supernatural testimonies that I've been through because a lot of it was on stuff that I have, the Lord's called me into to fight this. And uh, it really gets your perspective um, going where you really see the evil and it's very apparent and it becomes very real and it really increases your faith. Particularly when you see victory. so But you just have to have the faith to believe that. You have to have the faith to believe I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Because if you don't have the faith to believe it, then you're not going to... You're going to fail. I hate to say it. But you have to have the faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, going further... Uh, let's go further here. Science is ready. Knowledge has been increased. The spiritual players have taken the stage. Now, back to Tom Horn. He says, Sharon's frightening response to my question is further compounded when one considers how emerging science and transhuman ambition could be used in such, by such in their quest to bypass God and through human effort bring about an exaltation of man. You know, you shall be as gods. You know. That's what uh, the lie was. And then it goes on to say, I couldn't help thinking of this as I reviewed Dan Brown's latest heresy and concluded that there is a conspiracy all right and Dan Brown is uh, proclaiming it. The Lost Symbol, which is his new book, I guess, the follow-up to his 2003 The Da Vinci Code, this Lost Symbol just came out this week and if you've read it, you know the Freemasons have nothing to worry about. 
The symbol is about as threatening to the brotherhoods of darkness as a box of chocolates and two dozen roses. So in other words, this, this lost symbol doesn't do anything to really expose the Masons, like supposedly you may think it might. Anything that comes from secular publishing or secular movies or any of this garbage, no matter what kind of truth you may be able to glean or garner, there's always going to be so much garbage and air mixed in with it. It's not going to be a biblical approach. It's never going to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always going to instill fear of man in you. It's always going to make you feel totally helpless. It's always going to make you feel like you're nothing and that Christians aren't even part of the scenario. They're so insignificant to the whole end-time scenario. The, the scenario they will typically replace is some form of evil battling some other form of evil. But one's more of a white witchcraft evil and the other's more of a black witchcraft evil. Just like Star Wars. Exact same scenario. Oh, use the Force, Luke, and all this other garbage. And you got this little Baphomet-looking devil, Yoda, telling everybody what to do and being the Mr. Jedi Master guy. It's ridiculous, but that's the white side. That's the good side of the force. Now, do you realize that occultists, many times when they part ways, they'll say, may the force be with you. That was there way before Star Wars came out. They know what force they're talking about. And the force they tap into is just different shades of it, supposedly. White, gray, or black witchcraft, whatever. The white witchcraft does the good magic. And this is the battle that if you get into all of this garbage... They'll admit there's a battle, but they'll say, oh, we're on the side of good, and they're on the side of evil. It's all evil. It's all evil. And the only way you can truly fight it is, number one, to be a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. It's the only way. You don't have any power apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You have nothing. You have to have the Holy Spirit living inside you to engage in this battle. And 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 there's so many other things you, you need to do as well. And I've done things on, like, prayer, and the biblical keys to answer prayer, and overcoming, and... You know, I've done teachings on salvation that you can access on Sermon Audio. Just key the subjects in the search box on the homepage on Sermon Audio under Scott A. Johnson. And that'll give you more of the foundational things. I just can't cover it all. I have a lot of people emailing me saying, do a teaching on this, do a teaching on that. I'm only one person. I can only do so much. Um, I'm trying everything I can do just to answer, you know, a lot of the questions that come in, and I can't answer all of the questions. I just can't. So if I don't answer you, I'm sorry, but sometimes, you know, try to keep your questions as short as you can if you email me. And um, I'll try to do my best to help you. But um, if we go further, let's go further here. In fact, if you're anything like me, you'll come away from this overblown drivel of this lost symbol book. And I don't even advise you read this garbage. It's a pure waste of time. Pure waste of time to read it. I mean, unless you're going to research it and expose it like, you know, he's doing, I don't see any point in reading it. You're just putting some demonic writing into your, your, if you buy the book, you've just given your money to Satan. It's like going to the movies. Well, you're feeding the Hollywood machine. Why do they call it Hollywood? Because holly, the wood of the holly tree, is the ideal wood to make a witchcraft wand that witches actually possess. They actually have their wands. And not, not to say there's not other trees they could use, but Hollywood is one of the most prized wood that witches would use in a literal witchcraft wand. 
That's why they call it Hollywood, because it's putting a spell over all of humanity with the movies and things like that, this that they're producing. So, a little lighthearted tidbit there for you. Um, anyway, let's go further. He goes on to say, the um, you'll come away from this overblown dribble with the curious feeling that we've all been had, that the, quote, jitters the Freemasons were claiming to be experiencing in the lead-up to the symbol book was really an elaborate sales gimmick between Brown and his occult buddies on 16th Street in Washington, D.C. The problem is, these folks are not just selling books. They've amassed, under the guise of a thriller, a profound apologetic for the occult aspirations of the Order of the Quest. Evidently, that's an order he's in reference to, a cultic order. A set aside for a moment the fact that I've never had so many cliffhanger letdowns in a single night before, over and over, page after page, symbol leads you to believe you're finally on the verge of some great discovery, only to have you, only to then be handed a quote revelation that any two-year-old with a computer could have googled in the last five minutes on the internet. He goes on to say, better yet, read. And again, this is a plug for his book, so I am, you know, read Apollo Rising, 2012, the lost. Symbol found the final mystery of the Great Seal revealed. I don't think it's come out yet, though. When it comes out in late November, as it actually presents here to unknown, startling revelations about the Freemasons and the future of the world. I know, because I met with real people, Brown fictionalizes in the opening scenes of his book, it can tell you unequivocally that there are substantive reasons to be concerned, especially now that Brown has joined, quote, the order to sell the Great Deception. Evidently, he's actually joined this order. And I, I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail today, but he's joined this occultic order, openly joined. A lot of these people don't admit it. <laughs> they, they do it in public, but they do it. Um, let me give you an example. When the main character of Brown's novel, Robert Langdon, receives a frightening video of an initiate of the 33rd degree of the Scottish Rite Freemasonry drinking wine or it's either wine or blood, from a human skull during a ritual in the temple room at the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C., Langdon considers what would happen, and he says I detail this in the upcoming book, Langdon considers what would happen if the video were made public. Now, let me tell you something. I've known about that for years. It's a well-known fact that in the 33rd degree initiation, which you can only get in the, in the, um, at the uh, House of the Temple in Washington, D.C., which is like 13 blocks due north of the Capitol building or something, in a direct line, that they drink wine or blood from a human skull during that initiation period. That's how you have to become a 33rd degree mason. And it was interesting, one of the places that I found out about this, they said when this person who um, was one of these, who came out of it and is exposing it, he said that during the initiation, he saw... Um, I know it was Billy Graham and somebody else there at the at the thing. He Billy Graham's a Freemason. The Louisiana State site had him up as a, as a famous Freemason, and then they took it down. Now, this happened a while back. This was when I was first getting into this stuff. And there was a website that had secured a mirror image of the um, of the actual web page before it got took down because he started getting all this heat because he was a Freemason. He wouldn't admit it. A lot of them don't admit it. doesn't mean they aren't one. But I've done a whole teaching on Billy Graham. I mean, if you think he's a man of God, I'm sorry. And I'm not saying people haven't ever been saved in any of his crusades. I'm not saying that. 
I'm, not, I'm saying, what is the ultimate agenda? Okay, and I did a whole teaching on him. It's his words, not mine. <laughs> so you can look that up on Sermon Audio. Anybody at that level, you have to understand, they're, they've been compromised. They've been infiltrated. They, they, the Illuminati doesn't let them get to that level. TBN, Paul Crouch, all this garbage, Benny Hinn, they've all been infiltrated. Why aren't they preparing the, quote, Christians for what's coming? They're more concerned about how much money can they get from donations so that they can keep this gravy train rolling and defiling you with bad doctrine, encouraging you to read false Bible versions and, and participate in all these worldly programs. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on, questioning the Word of God. No, buy my book. Buy my book. That's what all our Christian bookstores are. Oh, books. The theories of pseudo-Christians, mostly apostate Christians in today's day and age. Don't read that stuff. There's, there's not enough time for, for, for us to read that stuff. I'm not saying they're all bad, okay? But, I mean, obviously some of the earlier writers too, and there's some great men of God. But for the most part, this modern day stuff... I'd stay away from it like the plague. The purpose-driven life with, with Rick Warren. Ken Rick, the word Rick in my search box on the homepage on Sermon Audio. My word, I mean, it'll load your boat. I mean, there, it's one big corrupt mess. And the Bible predicted that there was going to be a falling away in the end times, and that the man of sin would then be revealed. So, it's the day and times we're living in, and that God is going to be the one that sends a strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth. God's sending it. I mean, I think it's obvious we're right in the middle of it. And God's doing it. And it says that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So anyway, this goes on to say, the truth will be twisted. Langdon knew, as always... As it always is with the Masons, the truth was that the Brotherhood's focus on death was in fact a bold celebration of life. Masonic ritual was designed to awaken the slumbering man inside, lifting him from the dark coffin of ignorance, raising him into the light and giving him... uh, That's one of the initiation phases where they like supposedly symbolically kill you, and then they raise you up out of the grave with the strong grip of a lion's paw. That's how I like to go around and shake hands with them. I like to use that strong grip of the lion's paw. People are kind of freaked out when I do it, but you know, hey. Just kidding. Teasing there a little bit. But there was this guy that went to this church a long time ago where I was at. It was over at Emmanuel. And um, he sat behind me, and every time he shook my hand, he did it, and he would he would shake my hand like, like this. Here, I'll show you. It's like that. I could never get into his hand like that. And and now I see these all these politicians and people do the same handshake on, on and they show them, they take a picture of the thumb is essentially on top. It's not like this, like where the thumb, well you normally shake a hand where it's web to web and the thumbs it's like where their thumb is on top of the hand, of the other person's hand. And that's a Masonic handshake, just so you know. Now, the reason they want to shake people's hands that way is they want to see who's going to shake their hand back that way. Because that's an indicator that they're part of the brotherhood. Okay? 
Now, if they give you the strong grip of the lion's paw, which is where you go like hand to forearm, now then you really know you're dealing with a high-level guy. The Bible talks about, there's that Bible verse where, uh, woe unto them that, that teach it, teaches with their hands and their feet. And uh, if you just do a keyword search for hands and feet on like Blue Letter Bible on the internet, you'll find it. And that's one of the ways they're always into this secretive thing where only another brother or member would know what that's about. That way they can identify, you know, all the people that are in that cult. And yes, I would love to do a teaching on the Masons, but it's just a matter of finding the time to do it with all the breaking current events that are coming up. Uh, So if we go further... Let's see here. Masonic initiations were startling because they were meant to be transformative. Masonic teachings were arcane because they were meant to be universal. Taught through common language of symbols and metaphors that transcended religions, cultures, and races. Creating a unified, worldwide consciousness of brotherly love. Now, doesn't this sound like this devil Betraya character? Maitreya? And the United Nations and Lucius Trust and the world invocation prayer, everybody coming together as one. Let's put aside denominational differences. Let's just have one big old fat world religion, all one together. Let's lump the governments all together. We're seeing that a lot now this week with the G20. Let's have a one world currency. We'll just tear down all these these barriers between us and everybody will be happy. And it's the last, it's totally the opposite. So it goes on to say, there you have it. The truth is always twisted when it comes to the Masons. Drinking red substances from a skull in a dark room with a noose around your neck under a blood oath of horrific horrific repercussions, including having your throat slit, eyeballs pierced, tongue torn out, feet flayed, body hacked into pieces, and so on, if you give up the wrong information. That's all actually a celebration of life. A unified effort by transcendent souls who want to only lift the rest of us empty-headed twits from our dark coffins of ignorance in to a unified world of brotherly love. Now, this is all tongue-in-cheek, but it's true. This is what they're saying. They're saying one thing. They're totally consumed of the things of darkness, of Satan, and of death. And they're calling evil good. That's what the Masons constantly do. Well, look at the Shriners. They help the little kitties. They put them in their the pharmacia medical thing. And I'm not saying no, nobody could have ever been helped by them. I'm not saying that. But this is their false front they love to put up. Oh, don't you dare speak anything about the Shriners. They're just kindly old men that just want to do good in life. Yeah, well... I think the Lord Jesus Christ sees things way differently than the world sees things. And these blood oaths that I just talked about, that we just mentioned here, those aren't those aren't something that we're making. We're not exaggerating. Those are actually from... See, you've got to take a different oath at every level. Just swearing that you will never reveal this information that you're learning in all these Masonic rituals. There's 33rd degrees of the Scottish, 32nd in the York. And they are literal blood oaths where you swear, and you're not supposed to swear anyway. The Bible says don't swear. You know, we're not supposed to go around swearing oaths. And that's against the Bible. And all of these blood oaths are also against the Bible. 
But that's what they, they get them to do. And I really believe at every level, every time you take these oaths, you're a, it's basically adopt a demon time. You're getting more demons into your body the further you go up in the ranks. Bill Schnublin had said that as he went into the ranks, as he got into the very high level stuff, he said claimed to be a 93rd degree. He says they go way higher in 33 in the really, really hidden occult stuff. He said, you know, when these guys that are up into the 31st, 32nd, 33rd, you know, that you start having all of these, he was having all of these feelings of pedophilia feelings, like wanting to be with little boys and stuff. How sickening. And he said it's uni- uh, there's universal support programs for um, the um, a lot of the members of these families that have been literally destroyed from these high-level, and not probably low-level, but high-level mostly, Masons, that go, and it's all covered up, because they're the ones that are the mayors and the, and the doctors and the ones that are the police chiefs, and a lot of those guys are Masons. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. And they're in the ideal position to cover things up. And they want it that way. And he said, I mean, I couldn't believe he admitted that. It would be pretty tough to admit that. But he said, he, he said that's what happened. What was it? It was the demons infesting his body, his body, soul, and spirit, as he was ascending into the ranks of the occult. And as he ascended, he had to do more and more reprobate, terrible things. Thereby inviting more demons into his body, thereby he became more of a defiled person. So what happens. Whether it's Satanism, whether it's the Masons, whether it's Hinduism, whether it's Buddhism, whether it's the Catholic Church, the further you go up in that garbage, the more demon-infested you become and more of a tool for Satan. And as, as if you're getting into all this stuff, where you're getting all this real perverse sexuality stuff, well, guess what? You become very easy to frame, too, and very easy to control. Because many times they film this or they have knowledge of it and they say, if you ever try to leave, we'll expose you so they never will. That's how, that's how it works. I hate to say it, but that's what goes on. Let's go further. Of course, you would expect in a Dan Brown book, spreading the love only goes so far. And it doesn't really take long before the tired Dan Brown uh, attacks Christians and Christianity uh, ad nauseum. Literally every member of every bizarre or occult organization in the history of the world that Brown can muster is celebrated as, quote, illuminized or spiritually elevated or in tune with the Creator. But not us Christians, no, we're, we're in the dark. While Christians who hold the Bible as literal and or inspired are depicted as pietist buffoons who only ever succeed at mishandling the sacred texts anyway. The sacred texts. Now, there's a big push for these sacred, extra-biblical texts or new reinterpretations of the Bible that are within a lot of different religions. you got to be real careful of that stuff. Real careful. Because anything that's going to take you away from the Word of God is not of God. So if we go further, scriptures that are therefore better in the hands of deeply... Um, pers- of deeply perspective and spiritually enlightened people, like Brown, of course. See, we don't really know what's going on. Only these high-level occultists really have any right to run the planet and rule the world and have say-so over us. That's what they believe. Like Brown and the Freemasons, he says. Then, And then is the lost symbol, which turns out and then there is that lost symbol of this book, which turns out to be the Bible. 
But the apocalyptic visions from the book of Revelation are not are not the dark warning against sin and need for repentance that those ignorant conservative Christians have been preaching all these years. No, the biblical apocalypse, we learn, is akin to the Mayan 2012 prophecies and heralds a coming time of unprecedented human exaltation when we, like George Washington did, experience apotheos and ascended and become gods. Now, if you think George Washington was a man of God, please see my teaching on George Washington. Now, I've learned a whole bunch of stuff since I've done that teaching. His own writings, his own dreams. Oh, my word. I only thought the first teaching I did was uh, condemning. If I had time to do another one, and it's from his own writings, he had a Masonic funeral. I mean, he had all kind of stuff. That, and I don't want to argue with people about this. There is way too much proof. And then they'll say, yeah, but what about this? And then I, what my response is, is, does it negate all of the other stuff that are indicated in his writings, and in his actions, and in his participation in the Freemasons? Does that negate all of that? It's as though, well, he did this good, and he did that good, and he said this. It doesn't matter if he said that, if he's doing something contrary to what he just said on the side. What does it matter? Anybody can say anything. Talk is cheap. But they're one of the, the, the highest level person, the Freemasons, elevate of any person on the planet is George Washington. Now, I've told you this before. The Illuminati will only promote and praise their own. For them, gold, George Washington was the gold standard. He has got a huge, gigantic... Um, Monument that you can go see in Alexandria, Virginia, of uh, the Washington, the George Washington Masonic Memorial. It's it's sickening. You can go look at it online. And I mean, there you talk about. I mean, look, he's on our quarter. He he's. I mean, he's on our money. They will not honor people like that if they were true born again Christians. They won't do it. They will not allow that. And, and he is. He is more elevated than any other person. And so, that's all I'm going to say about that. If you want to just key in George or part of the word Washington in the keyword search box on Sermon Audio under Scott A. Johnson, you'll find it. So, before anybody says, hey, it's just a novel, consider how far-reaching Brown's books have been thus far in influencing people toward Gnosticism. Um, Gnosticism meaning the... the, the striving for hidden occult knowledge, which is really what all religious systems are based on. Yeah, there's the, there's the stuff they present to the public, which is just for like the laity, the, the masses. Okay, I'll just do a little brill cream religion, a little dabble do ya. That's, that's sufficient enough for most people to get them to hell. But then there's the ones that, and that's what it's doing. It's what it's doing, is it's just getting them to hell. Devil don't care how he gets you to hell as long as he gets you there. Some people don't want to take religion real seriously, like, you know? So they just go and they, they go through the Brill Cream religion and they just do a little bit. Some of them don't even do that. Some of them are just a, a law unto themselves, as the Bible talks about. And they've invented their own religion. Well, I think this, and I believe this, and I don't think a loving God would send me to hell. Well, you know, you've just become your own God. You've just created your own religious system. And that suits Satan just as much as the other. But then there's the other ones that really want to go deep. And they want that hidden knowledge and that occult knowledge, that arcane knowledge. 
Well, then they go into the deeper levels of a given particular cult religion, whether it's pseudo-Christianity like Catholicism, or whether it's just flat-out witchcraft, essentially, occult teachings of like Hinduism or Buddhism. The guy that puts my YouTube videos up, Stephen, man, he's been through that with um, a lot of this stuff with Hinduism. Oh, my word, I need to read his testimonies online one day. <laughs> you talk about something that's going to... Whew, I, I, I tell you, I haven't been into it that far. And he's seen some stuff very, very few people have ever seen when it comes to these ascended masters and these gods and the supernatural stuff that actually happens and the depraved, depraved practices that go on at the highest, highest levels because you've got to do those depraved, sick, twisted, perverted, disgusting things in order to advance further. So sickening. And then you become more demon-infested as you go along. And there's so many of them out there, you know, these false religions, it's just unreal. So, if we go further, let's see here. This uh, Brown's book is Influencing People Toward Gnosticism and the Rejection of the Divinity of Jesus Christ. This man is an evangelist of the coming, quote, enlightenment, which now which is absolutely, totally encroaching on the church, the emerging church we have that with Rick Warren pretty much leading the way and a lot of other apostates and a lot of other people that are totally involved in the New Age that are joining up and yoking up with the modern-day 501c3 corporate church of America, in particular them, because they, re they influence a lot of the planet because they send out missionaries. And they have a lot of other churches they support in other areas. So if, if, if the head is sick, then the whole body is going to be sick. So if they can corrupt all the churches in America, which they've pretty much done, by taking on their 501c through corporate status, being yoked up with the government and the Internal Revenue Service, and they're all reading the, these, these false Bible versions pretty much, and they don't even go by it, and they have all their worldly and secular programs, now they're yoking themselves up with the New Age, well, you know, pretty much mission accomplished for them. So, this, um, this man is an evangelist of the coming enlightenment, which now that we know how much he appreciates the Masonic worldview, which originates from Lucifer. Um, Isaiah 14, 12. Oh, no, he's, he's quoting... Well, at least uh, Albert Pike gets it right, what, what he refers to him. I see Isaiah 14, 12 in the King James reads, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Um... Son of the morning. How are thou cuts down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Whereas the NIV says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, morning star? And if you have an NIV reference Bible, it'll take you to where it talks about the morning star in Revelation when referring to Jesus Christ. So you get confused if you're reading an NIV if Lucifer is really Jesus Christ or if he's Lucifer, Satan. And that's the only time he's referred to in the Bible as Lucifer. It was basically his name before he fell and became Satan. Just so you know. So that's why it's very important what Bible you're reading. Albert Pike, Sovereign Grand Commander, um, he was the guy that literally was responsible for what they say for resurrecting the Masonic religion in the 1800s because it had taken a real serious blow. It had been exposed, they had killed this guy, dumped him into a lake, it was found out about. It was a really bad situation for the Masons. 
Albert Pike was a Confederate war general and is the only Confederate war general with a statue of him inside this, the uh, city limits of Washington, D.C. I mean, why would you have a Confederate war general? He's there. Uh, he was also the guy that started the Ku Klux Klan. All you have to do is look at this guy, pictures of him. I mean, you talk about the embodiment of evil. Anyway, he wrote Morals and Dogma, which is like the Bible for the Freemasons. There's an exoteric and an esoteric version. The esoteric are for the ones that really, really go into the high levels. It's incredibly hard to find, and I don't advise you get it or bring it into your house. Because it's like bringing in like the Necronomicon or some type of high-level, nasty witchcraft manual into your house. You're bringing a curse into your house. Don't do it. Okay, so, anyway. Sovereign Grand Inspector General Albert Pike in his book, Morals and Dogma, says, Lucifer, the son of the morning, is it he who bears the light? And with its splendors intolerable, blinds, feeble, sensual, and selfish souls, doubt it not. Now, he goes on in Morals and Dogma to say that Lucifer is God. Lucifer, meaning, that word meaning, the light bearer. So they want to be illuminated by Lucifer, the light bearer. He's going to shed light. That's why they call it the Illuminati. It's all tied together. So, hoping for antithesis to this generation's landslide into such an abyss, one of my earnest goals, this is back to Tom Horn, one of my earnest goals in the past year, as I have been sharing my forthcoming revelation with a trusted group of approximately 24 scholars, uh, theologians, scientists, has been to make sure the message reaches out and touches more than the church choir. And this is what, he, I guess this book, Apollyon Rise in 2012, is a counter to like Dan Brown and this new age and a lot of the stuff that's coming into the Illuminati. It's a counter to that. I haven't read it, it hasn't come out yet, um, but I'm sure there'll be some neat things you could glean from that. I have done a teaching on 2012, on Planet X, Nibiru, Crystal Skulls, it's all in one teaching, it's like two or three parts, and it's up on Sermon Audio. You can go see, listen to that if you like. And with the accompanying PDF, which is the documentation as well. Now, last part. This is the part 23. We read part 24. I'm going to read part 23 now because I think it was appropriate to do it in this order. This goes into other useful biotech tools for the Antichrist. What are some other things the Antichrist is going to utilize in order to defile humanity? Um... By responsible use of science, technology, and other rational means, we shall eventually manage to become post-human. That's Professor Nick Bostrom. So he's saying right out, by the responsible use, there is no responsible use to become post-human. But he's saying by science, technology, and other rational means, we shall eventually manage to become post-human. We shall be as gods, is what they're saying. Ray Kurzweil says, we can devise ways of at least trying to a man to manage the enormous powers of nanotechnology. But superintelligence by its nature cannot be controlled. The nanorobotic revolution will force us to reconsider the very definition of human. So understand, this nanotechnology, nanorobots, is integrally related, as that Natasha lady said, as the, this guy's saying, is integrally related for us to becoming transhuman or posthuman. And they're incorporating nanotechnology into the vaccinations. And again, I've, I've already reported on this. So who knows what they're actually injecting in, in, into people, or going to be, when this 
flying swine flu, H1N1 comes out fully. Frederick, Frederick B. Meekins says, the spirit one discerns in pondering the ruminations, that's a word you need to use more together, ruminations. Anyway, the spirit one discerns in pondering the ruminations of transhumanists causes one to conclude that these thinkers propose that what these thinkers propose is developmental progressing towards something along the lines of the Borg from Star Trek or Cybermen or Darklets from Doctor Who. So again, this transhumanism is what he's basically saying is that there's a process that these transhumanists want which is progressing us toward like the Borg. Now, if you don't know what the Borg on Star Trek is, um, and I'm not saying go watch Star Trek, but it's this this race of like robotic type humanoid. They're part machine, part they look part human, but I'm sure their humanity's all gone. It's like they've been soul scalped. They don't have souls, probably. Anyway, the bodies have been taken over, and they're they have this what they call hive collective, where it's it's a whole bunch of these things and they interact and they share information and they cannot think on their own and they're part machine, part human and they just go around trying to assimilate other races, other planets into their collective so that they can gain more knowledge and they glean what they want to glean and they throw out what they don't want to throw out and they're totally straight from the pit of hell. Okay? And again, if Satan had his way, that, that was exactly what he would he would um, like to uh, like to have. Not long ago, a writer for Wired magazine named Elizabeth Sovbata contacted me to let me know she was writing an article about research advances using transgenic animals to produce pharma- pharmacological compounds. That's disgusting. What you're going to use an animal to make a drug? She had come across an editorial by me raising the caution about this kind of experimentation and wondered if I might be willing to provide some points for her article, elaborating on areas where I saw producing transgenic animals might be harmful. She stated that most of the scientists she planned to quote were pretty gung-ho about the practice. You know, ever knowing, never coming to the knowledge of truth, professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools worshipping the creature more than the creator, as it talks about in Romans 1. Well, these are like these scientists. Professing themselves to be wise, in God's eyes, all they are are fools. They're the same ones that believe in Darwinianism and evolution and all this other garbage. So, she thought that it would be important to provide some balance. I thanked her for the invitation, and this is Tom Horn talking, and sent a short summary of some though not all of the areas where concerns about the science could be raised. Okay, so supposedly this lady's going to be kind of objective in this article she's going to put out in the secular magazine, Wired. When the article was finally published in Wired magazine, I was surprised that none of my notes had been made in the story. I contacted Elizabeth, Elizabeth and asked why. She replied, quote, Unfortunately, my editors cut your quotes during the editing process. Oh, imagine that. Which were originally included in my article, Farm actually farm spelled P-H-A-R-M, like pharma, pharmacologicals, farm animals crank out drugs. 
She apologized and said she hoped the experience had not soured me on dealing with Wired Magazine. He said, quote, it doesn't sour me, I assured her. I just think the reporting by most agencies is lopsided and missing the opportunity to thoroughly engage such an important topic. Well, my response would be like, they really have any concern for truth? Give me a break. I mean, those people that own those big secular magazines, they're, they're not concerned with truth. And I don't think for the most part. Not if it's going to not push Satan's agenda. I'll, I'll say that. The Wired Magazine article was most positive on transgenic research and concluded with a scientist by the name of Marie Cellier Van Lavore saying the potential human health benefits from transgen- transgenic research is just tinkering with nature's plan. If a, quote, if a transgenic animal produces a great cancer therapy, she said, I won't hear anyone saying you shouldn't do that. Well, in other words, the end always justifies the means. Even though they're suppressing all kind of cancer cures and all kind of cures to basically everything out there. All by design so they can control us and they can make money and the, the pharmacia can defile us and the whole sorcery bit with that. But see, it's the same thing with that uh, movie that we had talked about. I Am Legend with Will Smith. Because, hey, they, they came out with this cancer cure vaccine and everybody was like saying, well, I don't care. As long as I don't get cancer, inject me. Well, the only problem is, is they became, you know, uh, these vampiric-like zombie soulless creatures that roamed, you know, the streets at night and drank everybody's blood and, you know, ate them. And that was the only trade-off. I mean, you know, hey, everything's got its downside, right? So, again, this is the carrot. The end always justifies the mean. Oh, wow, we have this great pandemic. Oh, we have the solution. Come and get our vaccinations. It's all good for you. It's all good. It's just a witch's brew we're injecting into you. It's just death on a soda cracker. Come on, come and get it, everyone. Where do I sign up? Van Van de Lavore's comments were undoubtedly in response to some of my observations before they were cut. Because in offering caution, I had specifically used the phrase tinkering with nature's plan. I, I think... Personally, I don't think that's quite strong enough statement, tinkering, but um, Van de Lavore's short-sighted approach, like many bioethicists engaged in a current debate, is, is as scary as the science, in my opinion. I wanted to contact her to suggest that she watch the film I Am Legend. Oh, it just so happens he brings that up. Which openly, which opens appropriately enough with a scientist announcing the cure to cancer using a genetically engineered virus that blends animal and human genetics. I didn't remember all that. So here we go. The same scenario that we're going to be presented. Remember, the Illuminati will always telegraph their punches prior to cataclysmic events. We have been warned. Through Hollywood alone, we've been warned. We've been warned with a lot of the stuff that's out there exposing this. Hollywood aside. Scientists announcing the cure to cancer using a genetically engineered virus that blends animal and human genetics. Man, that's some sick stuff. We're talking Frankenstein here. If you've seen the film, you know the cure results in a human form of rabies that wipes out most of the life on Earth, a real possibility, given the scenario. I really believe the time's coming where truth is going to be stranger than fiction. We've been warned. 
we're pretty much without excuse at this point. While I believe some positive things will come from biotechnology and synthetic biology, and again, I'm anymore. I'm cautious about even saying that. I just don't trust them at all. I don't trust them any farther than I can throw them. It is a prophetic expectance of these new fields of the science that intrigues me. Biotechnology could provide a number of useful tools for for facilitating the empire of Antichrist, including eugenics, food contagions, um, meaning like contagious uh, contagions that are actually contained in the food. You eat it, you you get it. Hybrid viruses. Prion contamination. This would be like the mad cow disease, which is a prion that gets in the brain and, um, you know, causes this horrific effect in the brain. Let's go further. Uh, Exotic new diseases, plagues of biblical proportions, just to name a few. Because we cannot take time in the series to properly cover each of these risks, we present two aspects of the biotech. that could lead eventually to staining out as related to the book of Revelation and the advent of Antichrist. Contagion, or the transmission of disease, has always been a unique entity, surprising, surpassing all potential cataclysms with its singular characteristic of being entirely sovereign and non-discriminatory. Borderless, apolitical, meaning it doesn't have a political affiliation. There's not like a Republican contagion or a Democratic contagion. They cross those lines. Uh, disease has spread, multiplied, and mutated, and has historically shown deference to no one. Though mortality estimates of pandemics throughout the history are often undeniable, unreliable, if not entirely unknown, their impact has often been measured only by these statistics. With less examination of concurrent societal disruption, with the exception of medical and scientific study, epidemics were understood mostly within their literary, literary and classical context. The sustained scourge of age is a familiar concept, but easily dismissed unless there is direct involvement. Ebola, cholera, plague, Marburg, SARS, and anthrax are serious-sounding, but largely irrelevant to the generations raised in a society of eradication vaccines and fix-em-fast antibiotics. Meaning those things aren't really real to us because we've never really experienced it. Uh, Nonetheless, there has been growing concern among experts of the fast-rising density of human populations and the immediate need to to strategize to avoid high death tolls in inevitable natural disasters. Similarly, public health experts warn that vigilance and speed in tracking and responding to disease outbreaks is vital to limit the chances of the pandemic. See, they get you when you're all panicked. They get you when everybody's in full panic mode. And you're going to be a lot more susceptible to doing what Big Brother tells you to do and giving up your rights and a lot of other things. Every age in history has its plagues, wars, and disasters. What is different about our world today is the enormous potential of a catastrophic pandemic situation. A public health emergency at this level would be far more catastrophic than any other type of naturally occurring accidental and or instigated event the world has experienced. While Hollywood is steadily inoculated the comfortable, preoccupied masses with remarkably prescient bio-threat scenarios like I Am Legend, Outbreak, The Stand, V for Vendetta, etc. The very real and prolific research programs began to notice that life forms confined to the microscopic realm were changing rapidly, sometimes predictably, oftentimes unpredictably, and in some instances chillingly purposeful. 
Add to this unpleasant reality of biological warfare which begins in its ancient past and ends in a time yet forward from poisoning enemy wells, hurling dead corpses over city walls, for giving smallpox-ridden blankets to American Indians, it is difficult to grasp the concept of being assaulted by a living, albeit microscopic enemy. But the plagues of history past bear little resemblance to their emergent constructs. And meaning what they did in the past, we've seen nothing compared to what they're going to do in the future, most likely. As science continued its quest for unlocking DNA... A parallel priority with a far more sinister agenda was already growing and on the loose, designed for maximum casualties and high emotional impact. This nano-army can be crafted for ethnic, specific ethnic targeting. A lot of, we've been seeing a lot of this lately. They, they may target certain ethnic classes. They may target Indian populations, black population. I don't know. It's hard to say. But they have that technology. Despite warnings and flags, these unseen warriors are eager to meet their new hosts and prepared a, to launch a new campaign, promising to reveal themselves in all their horror. In Plague Wars, the terrifying reality of biological warfare, authors Tom Mangold and Jeff Goldberg assert that biological weapons are both more immoral and more lethal, lethal than their pestilent cohorts, cohorts in nuclear and chemical armory. For infecting the enemy aggressor can infect his own side, the pathogens blur the lines between peace and war as they silently spread through the ranks of families and non-combatants. To contemplate their use is to wink at evil. For pestilence and poison are, are afflictions as much as weapons. And they're worse. Like you said, they're worse. Because a bullet can kill you once. Whereas somebody that gets something like some unbelievably horrific plague can many times pass it on to another person, their loved ones, and it can affect a whole bunch of people. Creations on the drawing board that promise exotic delivery systems for dispersing the biological materials are no less startling. Recently, the Israeli newspaper Yedioth Aronoff reported that Israel is using nanotechnology to create a robot no bigger than a hornet that would be able to chase, corner, photograph, and deliver lethal agents to its targets. How'd you like one of those bad boys chasing you? A little hornet little thing flying at you. He can inject you, kill you, track you. You see one of those things, you pray against it in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, that's going to be our only protection. The flying robot, nicknamed the Bionic Hornet, would be able to navigate its way down narrow alleyways to target otherwise interchangeable, unreachable enemies. Similar biomechanic developments in the United States are being funded by DARPA, which is pure evil, DARPA, where cyborg insect interfaces envision warbots no bigger than a bug that can take to the battlefield one at a time as spies or in swarms powerful enough to bring down fighter jets. The same micro-mechanical insect sentinels could serve up biological weapons as well, delivering viruses, bacteria, toxins, and microorganisms that, infl that afflict or destroy people, animals, and agriculture. Sound a little bit overwhelming to everybody? Well, it may be, that may be what's in store for all of our futures. And like I said, you know, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Okay, so that's what we need to do. Okay, so then it ends by talking about this Plum Island and what they call Nest. Located north off the northeast 
northeast coast of Long Island, beyond Montauk, the Plum Island Animal Disease Center is a level three biosafety agriculture facility transferred in 2002 from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Plum Island is a federal facility for the research and investigation of foreign and domestic animal pathogens. Plum Island's offshore status allows the study of forbidden mainland organisms, including the housing of freezers, which contain samples of polio and other microbial diseases that can be transferred from animals to humans. NEST, on the other hand, which stands for Nuclear Emergency Support Team, is one of seven emergency response branches of the U.S. Department of Energy, Nuclear Safety Administration. Information from the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists indicate that NEST has the ability to deploy up to 600 experts in the event of an incident, quote incident, alongside the Federal Bureau of Investigation's Domestic Emergency Support Team or the State Department's Foreign Emergency Support Team. In February of 2004, Popular Mechanics magazine featured a cover story, and it's the cover, and it's entitled, When UFOs Arrive. It's not if, it's when. And I put that cover out in some of my newsletters so you could see it. It's like a foregone conclusion. Uh, This, that describes such an incident scenario where NEST would be activated. With the seemingly whimsical text, story author Jim Wilson writes, and this is evidently in that when UFOs arrive, State of emergency. If E.T. turns up, extraterrestrials, up at NASA's doorstep bearing that invitation... It is in for a surprise. So E.T. is going to be in for a surprise. Instead of getting a handshake from the head of NASA, it will be handcuffed. Right. Break. It will be handcuffed by FBI agents dressed in a bio-level safety force suit. Instead of sleeping in the Lincoln bedroom at the White House, the alien will be whisked away to the Department of Agriculture's Animal Disease Center on Plum Island. I bet you he was really hoping to sleep in the the Lincoln bedroom. I mean, man, what a letdown for that little devil. I mean, that's sad. Sorry, I just lost control there. Anyway, off the coast of New York Island, here we will be poked and probed by doctors from the National Institutes of Health. A Department of Energy nuclear emergency search team will tow away its spacecraft. Oh, man, they're going to... They're going to put his spacecraft in dry dock. They're probably going to give him a parking ticket. It's going to be terrible. Unfriendly as this welcome may seem, it is the chain of events that will most likely follow the visitor's arrival. Unique as the appearance of an alien piloted spacecraft may be, the event incorporates elements of three situations familiar to federal emergency response workers. A plane crash, the release of radioactive material, and the capture of an animal suspected of harboring a contagious disease. I don't think this is an animal, though. This is an alien. Responsibilities of these situations are spelled out in presidential executive orders. In all of these incidents, in, in all of the prophets, including Jesus Christ, prophesied that in the last days we would witness nest-like incidences where unexpected biological pestilences wash upon the earth. See Matthew 24, 7. That's one of the things you're supposed to expect, these pestilences. Okay, plagues and pestilences and these types of things. We're supposed to be expecting it. Okay, so it's not any big, you know, it shouldn't be any big gigantic surprise that this is the day and times that we're living in. It's just confirming the Bible 
everything that we're doing here pretty much confirms the Bible. And um, we're going to go ahead and end, uh, end this series here, and uh, we'll go to the next part. God bless you.